0: Hey there, and thanks for tuning in. In this week's sermon, I explored what it means to receive a gift from God. I hope that it speaks to your life and that you have a great week. Well, good morning. It is a great morning here at Prince of Peace as we celebrate the sacrament of holy baptism with three families. Uh, We have a baptism at this service and two at the 11 o'clock service. And I was working all week trying to figure out how to connect the theme of baptism, the meaning of baptism, with our gospel lesson for this week. And I think I found a creative way to do that. I think those messages tie together pretty well. But our gospel for today, there's a lot there, isn't there? It's a long reading, and it's charged. It's filled with all of this beautiful, rich imagery. And the first time I read through the gospel for this week, My mind was fixated on those scorpions and snakes and on demons and casting them out and on curing the sick. All of those things that Jesus sent the disciples to go and do. But as I kept reading the gospel again and again, I saw other things that at first glance didn't jump out at me. And that's how it often is for me and possibly for you. When we read Scripture, we read it again and again and again. A theologian that I love describes reading Scripture like you're turning a diamond. You're you're, you're looking at it from different angles. And as you continue to look into that beautiful stone, you see different parts of the meaning and and the the richness of, of what God is offering us. So here's what's happening. We're in Luke chapter 10. Jesus has gathered disciples. They've been busy healing and teaching, traveling from town to town. And he's amassed a following. There's a large number of people following Jesus. So often we think about the 12 disciples and we forget that there were 70 plus others at this point already following Jesus. And we're led to believe that this caravan of people were following him from town to town. They were going to where he was preaching. They wanted to be a part of this ministry. And we call all of these people that were following Jesus, we call them his disciples, right? It's a very churchy word, to be a disciple. Simply put, it translates from the Greek into the English as somebody that is a learner. Somebody who's committed to learning the way of Jesus. And I imagine for many of those people that were following Jesus and listening to his sermons and watching his miracles and just sort of marveling at his life, um, that many of those people were following for different reasons. Some of those people that were following had to have been inspired, right? Here's this rabbi teaching with authority, teaching in a way that other rabbis just didn't teach. And here's this rabbi who's, who's capable of healing, And can you imagine those rumors spreading as people heard about how Jesus healed a man's withered hand and how Jesus healed a Roman centurion's servant's child? Rumors spread and the crowd grew and the crowd grew and so did the excitement. And as the crowd grew and as Jesus became more of a celebrity, He does something that is so counterintuitive. Instead of speaking beautiful, flowery things, Jesus starts to turn up the heat, so to speak. As his crowds grew of people that wanted to follow him intimately, he started telling more and more of the truth which is that following this way, this kingdom way, this way of life and love and peace, that it's difficult. That it's hard. And so Jesus starts to send out those disciples so that they can get a taste of it for themselves. Jesus is transitioning all of these people from being learners who sit at His feet to now being apostles who are sent out. In Luke chapter 9, one chapter before our reading, Jesus sends out the 12, those disciples we're most familiar with. And and he gives them very similar instructions to what we heard in Luke chapter 10. He says, go out into the towns and villages ahead, carry no purse, no shoes, take no food, and go proclaim the message that God's kingdom is here. And then here in Luke chapter 10, after he had already sent out the 12, he's got 70 people left that are still there. And I imagine that many of those 70, upon hearing that his intimate 12 had been sent out, were kind of vying for a place at the inner table. Do you know what I mean? Well, those 12 that he invested in, that he loved, that he poured his life into, well, well, they're out. Now is our chance. Let's draw closer to Jesus. And precisely in that moment, Jesus turns to the 70 and he says, oh yeah, you're going to. You need to go. You need to experience what this is all about. And he gives them this owner's manual, almost, of instructions. Go into the towns and villages ahead and take nothing. Take no purse, take no money, take no sandals. Don't even take an extra shirt. I will give you something. I'll give you a partner. I'll give you another person to go with. Go two by two. But as you go, go hurriedly. He says that the harvest is ripe. The laborers are few. In other words, go quickly. Go urgently. Now is the time to reap the harvest, to reap what was sown. So go quickly. Take nothing, and on your way, on the road, don't talk to anyone. But go to the town and the village that I will later travel to, and when you're there, speak a word of peace. Announce peace. Find somebody, connect with them, and offer peace. And if they welcome you in, well then stay there. Just stay right there and eat whatever they give you. Why would he say that? Because Jesus is sending them not into Jewish territory, where all the food would have been kosher. He's sending them into Gentile territory, where certainly they would have been fed food that was unclean for Jewish people. But Jewish, Jesus has never been one to care much about what is clean or unclean when it comes to all of those religious all of that religious baggage, he he says, when you go and you meet these people, these foreigners, eat whatever they give you. Form a real connection. Genuinely care about them. Heal their sick. And announce that the kingdom of God has come near. He gives them three words of instruction. Eat, care for them, and proclaim God's kingdom that's it. He also gives them a warning. Don't try to meet as many people as possible. Don't worry about converting as many people as possible. He doesn't tell them to stand on a street corner with a megaphone and a sign. He doesn't tell them to beat them over the head with scripture. He doesn't tell them to run everyone they meet through a religious checklist. He doesn't Tell them to ask what denomination they're a part of. Those don't even exist yet. He just says, eat, care for them, and let them know that God's kingdom is right here. Can you imagine if you're one of those 70? I would have been a little terrified, right? I mean, really, Jesus, take nothing? Okay, okay. You told us no money, no. I'm packing granola bars. I'm packing some money, I'm hiding it in this belt. Can I really trust God with that amount of radical faith? And yet I know myself, and I probably would have been one of those disciples that ignored much of what he said. All I would have heard is, go, proclaim, I like to talk, and try to cure the sick, right? And the first time I read through this, That's honestly what stuck out to me. And that's how we often think about this, isn't it? When Jesus sends people, when God sends us, we often think, what is it you want me to do, God? What can I do for you? You want me to cure the sick? Well, then I'm going to cure all the sick. You want me to preach? Well, then I'm going to find the biggest platform possible in the middle of town, and I'm going to do that for you, God. But as I read this more and more closely, I realized that that wasn't what Jesus was emphasizing. Actually, it was something totally different. Yes, Jesus was sending the 70. And yes, he wanted them to care for people and heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom. But if that's all we focus on, then we miss out on this beautiful gift that God is offering us. Did you catch it? Jesus is inviting these 70 to go and learn the spiritual art, the spiritual lesson of what it means to be a recipient of extravagant love. So often we think about our faith and our calling in terms of what am I going to do for you, God? What great love will I display? Who will I cure? What will I say? What can I do for you, God? But here in this passage, Jesus clearly wants the disciples to learn how to be a recipient of hospitality, of love, and of care. That's why I believe He sends them out with no money, no shoes, with nothing. So that as they go working for God, they also go ready to receive the gifts of God. Do you get that? So go, disciples, with hands open, ready to receive the meal that somebody else will prepare for you. Go, ready to be greeted by the peace of a stranger. You see, I think Jesus wanted those 70 and those 12 He wanted them to experience the radical love of God that we can only ever encounter when our hearts are opened to receiving a gift. The other week, earlier this week, Becca and I were at the pool, and we were playing with the kids, and we were talking to some friends, a few other young couples, and we were talking about the 4th of July and our plans, and we didn't really have any. And so these friends said, well, you know, our street, two streets over from you, we have a block party every 4th of July, and all the families come out, and, and we hang out. Why don't you guys come to our block party? Why don't you come crash Potosky, that's the street, come crash Potosky's block party? And Becca and I kind of looked at each other, and we're like, well, we don't live on Potosky, you know. We live on Center Street. That wouldn't be kosher, would it? And so we didn't really say much about it, but the next day, Becca and I are talking. Well, what are we going to do? Well, we ran into one of those couples again in the village on a walk, and they said, hey, are you coming to the block party? I heard you were invited. And we said, well, we don't know. We don't know. We're going to keep our options open. That's not our street. That's, That's not our two streets away, you know, right? I mean, less than 100 yards away, but that's not our street. And then we saw them at the pool again another day. We go to the pool a lot after work, okay. and, and uh, that is where I write the best sermons though, and, and so we saw them again, and they said again, come to the block, but par- you have nothing to do, just come to the block, I know you want to come to the block party, we've got kids, your kids, kids ages, it'll be great, and so we finally said, okay, we'll come, what can we bring? Nothing, don't bring anything, we've got the meat, we've got this, some people are bringing sides, but it's fine, don't worry about it we go home from the pool. Becca hands me a list. Go to the store. (laughs) What? So I go to the store. I come home. Becca whips up fresh sweet potato muffins, Asian coleslaw. I think we took three sides. Three side dishes, right? This is just normal for us. You'll see where this is going. So we get the kids in the car. We have to drive two blocks away because we have three sides and two kids, Right? So we drive two blocks away, we're we're getting out of the car, and I'm holding the food. Becca has both kids in her hand, and we're walking, and she's like, wait a minute, stop. Let's change. I said, what? She said, you take the kids, I made the food, I'm walking it in. (laughs) If Mama's not happy, nobody's happy, so okay, okay, here, here, here. We walked into the party, right? We've all done this, haven't we? We've all done this. Normal part of our culture. We want to be a good guest. We want to feel like we have something to bring. We're not a freeloader, right? At God's banquet table, you're not allowed to bring sweet potato muffins. You're not allowed. It's not required. Check your offering at the door. Come to receive. In just a few moments, we're going to baptize a beautiful little girl. And the message of that baptism is this While you are yet young and small, God's abundant, radical love is poured out on your life as a total gift. You've done nothing to earn God's love, you haven't cured the sick. You haven't even been nice to your mom and dad yet. You're so little. But you are loved beyond measure. And that God will forever be on your side. Forever. The part of this passage that I love the most is this the disciples come back, the 70, and they're all charged up, aren't they? Jesus! Even the demons, they listened to us. We cured the sick. We did it. And I imagine there's one over there like, Jesus, I talked to 80 people and I told them all about the kingdom of God. And what does Jesus say to them? Wow, yeah, that's great. Isn't that great? Yeah, I've done something way cooler. I saw the devil fall out of heaven. It was amazing. But guess what? Don't celebrate with that. Don't focus on that don't focus on what you've done for me. Rather, celebrate that your name is written in the book of life. Celebrate that you are already loved. You see, Jesus wasn't sending them out to do anything for him. He doesn't really need us to do anything. He's trying to teach us to come with hands open. And when your hands are open and you receive a gift, well, gosh darn it, then you can't help but love. You can't help but spread that joy. You can't help but pour that out for the world. And that is a far richer, deeper, more beautiful love than trying to prove you're worth it or that you mean something. So cling to your faith in the crucified and risen Lord. And when you come to this table today, Come with your hands open, ready to receive the love of God. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.